talking john so much but like my level so much and hey man it's all relative it's all relative <laughs> it's all relative on me <laughs> so i wanted to thank you guys for having me on lockdown buddies it was a wonderful experience so for fun. me oh, i have awesome. suggestions for you for further episodes that might go well for you oh hell yeah uh, but I've, I've been trying all day to get my head straight to just talk about entrepreneurship with you guys today and not oh, talk about yeah. wrestling or magic spells or whatever. I, I'm going to try. Be honest, everything gonna, else is welcome. I mean, yeah, those are yeah. both businesses. So that's don't, cool. Don't full <laughs> ring. If you give me full ring, you're going to get full ring. I think, I think whatever you want to talk about, Matt, is so interesting. Like, oh, I got 100%. a bunch of DMs. Seriously, being like that guy is amazing. I was like, man, <laughs> yeah, I know, hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. Dude, look I at your really it's so good. Story in a straight line and branches off and creates this tree of unended stories. I really I like that. Back on again. I'm pretty yeah, sure that's people, how people I tell stories. It. That is, that's how <laughs> I communicate. Yeah, I'm pretty. I think that's why we're friends, Matt. I think that's why. We're buddies. You, you know guys, we are? We're brain have, babies, okay? <laughs> you guys actually do tell stories in the same kind of way, actually. Yeah, it's like, because then we latch on to one concept, and we're like, hold on, pause for a minute, and then I have to go over here and tell this story, because then I'll give this original story context. And then that story, I'm like, oh, shit, there's another really good story right here. Hold on one, one second. second. And then, <laughs> yeah, and that's how you keep shit interesting. Uh, what? <laughs> Why well, I think that You're happens? All welcome. <laughs> stories that are completely abnormal to everyday life. If someone tells you a story about everyday life, where it's like, I went into the kitchen and I made this oh, yeah. thing, and it didn't turn out, and I made it again, but changed it, and it did turn out. That's relatively normal stuff. You don't have to explain <laughs> what a recipe is, where the kitchen is, all those things. That's right. That's right. But we tell stories, and you have to like explain the parameters of the story, therefore yeah. creating the 
sort of extra side stories on the way because not everybody knows about magic, your life, <laughs> the business that you have, what have you, right? That's yeah. right. Like yeah. I have to explain, when I talk about tattooing with people, there's, there's a lingo to most professions and careers. And when I start talking about tattoos, unless somebody is either heavily tattooed, has been around tattoos for a long time, or tattoos themselves, about a third of the words I say they don't understand. Hmm. Oh, so you have to yeah. you have to like roll through these explanations for them to be able to get the context of the story you want to tell in the first place. Hmm. Hmm. That's really like, cool. Oh, there you go. Boom. Yeah. No, that was really cool because that's Mind the end of like. So Elon Musk is doing this uh, Neuralink, right? And that's one of the things he actually wants to do is so that you and I could communicate with our like if we had if you had a chip and I had a chip, right? Yeah. You wouldn't have to explain that language to me. I'd be able to see it. See, oh. uh, man, you don't like about that. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> <laughs> We're vaccinated now, so we probably already have the chip. Let's just carry on. <laughs> Matt, did you get vaccinated? Do you want to start down this road? No, I don't know. <laughs> No, I don't. You want to have a COVID babies show? We'll COVID talk. babies. Oh, that's a COVID babies. Who's it? Tin foil hat babies. Tin foil hat. I think. Do oh, I podcast. This is brain the babies least. on brain babies on brain babies, dude. Tin <laughs> hat. John is the least tin foil hat. You're a little tin foil hat, and I'm really tin foil hat. So. <laughs> Listen, I'm not oh my sure. god, we should just we should just Listen. start a podcast of three of us called Tinfoil Hat. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> good. Okay, listen, before we go off on a weird tangent here, all I'm gonna say uh -huh. is okay, yes, there's seven and a half, actually seven point nine billion people on the planet. Okay, yeah, yeah. To get all three of us on a podcast was a fucking mission. <laughs> it was a <laughs> so miracle. Control, I'm so proud of us. People, man, come on. <laughs> like Matt, true. you're a busy, you're a busy guy. And then Claudia is busy. I'm, I'm a employed busy. person. I'm a very busy person. And that comes yeah. with entrepreneurship. Oh, shit. That's right. Saying, like, to control three yeah. people was a fucking mission just to get us here. Yeah. You know? that's, that's where all of my conspiracy stuff comes from. I'm like, do I think aliens exist? Yep. Do I think George Knapp knows some stuff? Yep. Do I think that uh, Skinwalker Ranch is creepy as shit? Yep. Do I think that like we all got five G in us from the vaccines? Probably not. <laughs> I'm gonna say that's probably not a thing. Not for Did free. Did they test it enough? Did they test it enough? Who knows? We'll find out in ten years. <laughs> you know, fuck. If we all turn yeah. into zombies, which is one of my favorite things to think about, the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> then we'll be fine. I got I you, Matt. Out, don't worry. I figured out that I will last no time in the zombie apocalypse at all. <laughs> and that's probably a good idea. <laughs> for two main reasons. The first is that I can't um, – I don't plan things in a nice arc. I plan things no, all over the place, and then they start to tell me how they have to fit together. Where I know other people like my business partner, George. My business partner, George, is like an assessor. And he, he yeah. mm. sit down, take a thing and assess the possibilities and then prepare for the multiple different outcomes and so on and so forth. Right. I can't, I don't prioritize stuff. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, all that survive things do. 
Also, right. I snore really loud. So at night, the zombies find me. They would find. Oh my god, me too. I yeah, make meow meow noises Claudia and they snore. Makes, yeah, Claudia makes fucking noises, man. Yeah, uh, that's actually true. You guys are fucked. You guys need me. We'll take shifts. I'll yeah, cover the, yeah, I'll cover yeah, the night yeah. Time. You guys got the daytime, okay? Easy yeah, peasy. that's right. <laughs> that's how we'll do that's it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I stayed with Claudia for a little bit after I uh, broke up with um, my most recent ex. And Claudia was like, yeah, so just as you, just a heads up, like, you're in a different room and, and there is a door, but I do make, apparently, I make weird fucking noises. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, that's kind of weird, whatever. The second day, I thought that someone had broken in. For real. <laughs> I went to use the bathroom, and I thought someone was in the fucking apartment. All I could hear is like, meow, 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 like that. Like, for real. And I was like, what the fuck? Wait, wait, wait. So I was so, like, bro, Claudia, so you good? She goes, she wakes up. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, back up. What's that? So Someone broke into your place and started meowing that's what you well, thought i thought man crazy people you know people do but like fucking batch of crazy shit i had a person break in on my birthday uh 10 years ago this year and there were seven people living there and someone broke in and left a noose on the fireplace didn't take anything except for one that's, woman's driver's license fucking terrifying we had to call the cops terrifying Ooh. oh man Ooh. yeah that is incredibly terrifying it was. It was. Oh, it, uh, okay. I woke up and my buddy Mark and his wife were in the doorway of my bedroom and they're like, hey, uh, I think someone has broken into our house. I said, okay. Have you checked on the other fucking people that live here? And they go, no, we just knew you would know what to do. I'm like, okay, well, check on to make sure no one's fucking murdered. Second thing, call the fucking police. And Mark says to me, and I wish this was a lie, he's a security professional. He goes, oh, yeah, I already touched all the doorknobs though. Leading into the house, I was like, "Awesome work, bud. Awesome work." Like, what the fuck? So anyway, we called the police. They sent over a bunch of detectives, actually, because it was really weird. Uh, mm -hmm. They had stolen um, uh, this woman's driver's license, and that was it. Left a noose on the front door and on the fireplace. Really what nice, like, like really, like really nice knots and everything. Terrifying, terrifying. That is terrifying. That's so weird. Yeah. yeah. Can I add to your terror? Sure. Um, always. <laughs> father worked at the airport for years and years and years, and he worked with a woman that at the airport had had her purse or wallet stolen or something at one point. Years later, they found her driver's license, her ID, in yeah. Bernardo's place. Oh what? my god! Yeah. Literally chills. Literally chills. Oh, yeah. that's, terrible. that's terrible. Collected IDs, apparently. Yeah, of, of no, potential victims, right? Dude, no. uh, I I would assume, but I don't know if it was where he started. He started with stealing, or maybe it was just something he did on the side. I have no clue. I, I but just that would freak me out so bad. Out one day, and he told us that story about his friend at work, and it was just like, wow. Well, they actually did find this girl's wallet like a block away, um, but nothing was taken except for her driver's license. Wow. So, and the thing is, like, this was a big house, like, right down at Young and St. Clair. And, like I said, there were seven of us living there. So, if you were to get into the front foyer, there's like shoes everywhere, right? Seven people yeah. plus multiple pairs of shoes. And you would have been able to quickly assume that there's a lot of people in that house. Like, it just right. looked like, you know, people everywhere. So, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Now, I had like, I had reinforced my doors. 
because I'm weird that way. Like I, I had actually installed my own deadbolt for my for my bedroom door, and my bedroom door was like solid oak. So <laughs> it was an old house. But by that point, when it happened, the property management guy came through and redid all the locks to everyone's rooms. Oh, that's that weird. was scary. Not a great way to wake up. <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, no. Like twenty, as I was, I was turning twenty nine, and I woke up on May the sixth, which is tomorrow, and I was yeah. like, I was like, ah, fuck, what's happening? I thought they were, I thought they were fucking with me a little bit. You know, it's your birthday, and they're both okay. crying. They were oh, not birthday tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's his birthday tomorrow. Hey, I remember the episode you were going on about how older you are, and uh, yeah, I, I have to say that I actually yelled at my phone. I said, "Fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> and you're what your mid 30s late 30s no, I'm, I'm 39 tomorrow. <gasps> how old how old are you because i can never tell about 412 yeah, now <laughs> yeah like you've entered the gandalf realm man. <laughs> i'm at the point where i have to do the math like i literally have to go <laughs> what year is it now and what year was it born who am I? <laughs> I'm a, what are you born? Are you, are you a, like a winter baby? No, I'm a summer baby. In, this summer, I turn 48. Oh, man. Aww, yeah. Cute. Dude, you look That's young nice. as hell. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You actually do. You, yeah, you, no, you, you look young. You look like you could be my age. <laughs> That's just yeah. because I shaved off the rest of my beard. Dude, uh, your beard is blowing my mind today. Seriously. I got a lot of that Santa Claus. On here before, that was so good, right? <laughs> Dude, your singing is just fucking on the next level lately. I'm Yo, I'm, I'm practicing. Land. I'm doing it. All right, I'm, so what? Hey, little Matt. So what's going oh, on? Yeah. So yeah, Matt, you wanted to be on episode ship, eleven. Episode yeah. eleven. What's what the up? Fuck you want to talk about? <laughs> what's happening, homie? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's your show. Uh, we were going to talk about entrepreneurial stuff. Uh, I've had conversations with both of you guys. Uh, about business and art and uh, having a business that's not a digitally driven business and a business that's not uh, production driven. Yeah. It's literally yeah. a bespoke, single time made thing. And you can't yeah. really do much more than that unless you spread your wings in other areas. Uh, yeah. And the difficulties that come with that, right? Yeah. Uh, so we could extrapolate on that a little bit if you wanted to, or yeah, we could talk. Right there. We, could, yeah. we, could, we could give everybody like, what's the history of what you done did, kiddo? <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to so talk about, Matt. You're the fucking guest, dude. You, but you did say you wanted to be on here for magical reasons for number eleven. Yeah, eleven is a big number for me. Uh, it just means a lot to me, and there are things that come into my world that reaffirm that often. That's oh, cool that's time. awesome. That's really cool. So, so you're actually a wizard. All right. Like, legit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, just because someone lives with magic doesn't make them a wizard. Um, I think it kind of does. <laughs> oh, when they're good at it, then they're a wizard. If you just you're, live within Matt, it. I'm going to let the audience know, dude, you are magic. I have, yeah, I have your awesome. art. Like, Are you kidding? Claudia, Claudia, Claudia <laughs> literally puts 
strange liquids and powders together and shit up and mixes it around and probably sings a little bit and then all of a sudden different a lot of it very poorly and it makes me really happy it's alchemy i'll tell you that yeah you're changing the world i'm trying i'm trying your own little sphere not your own attitudes towards thing it isn't the magic that everybody's doing where you're becoming self-aware and dealing with your shadow selves and all that stuff. You're literally making the planet not bad as much. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying, man. I'll tell you today. I am so, I'm so happy to see you and I'm so happy to see Claudia, but man, I, I had a day today, <laughs> today, today. Yeah. You tell. Yeah. Well, so I, so I've got a business partner and I really like him. Um, he's a very successful guy, but he runs on his own, He's on his own schedule and universe. So we met and then we were behind. We were supposed to meet at a certain time. Then it was late. Then I had to go to the bank. And the, the bank is always, you know, it's an f- old institution, right? It's one of the oldest institutions yeah. we have. And it's terrible. So you go to the bank and you're like, hey, I'd like to access my fucking money. And they're like, hey, how about you prove to us that this is your money? And then you do. And they go, oh, okay. So what do you want us to do with your money? <laughs> Like, I want you to give it to me. And they're like, ah, oh, geez, this guy wants to take his fucking money. You see this? <laughs> they actually like look what? around like, oh, the fucking balls on this guy. He wants to take his own money out. Ah, oh, man. And then you have to make them do work, right? And we did have a very nice uh, interaction with the teller. But it was just like one, it should have taken 15 minutes. It took an hour and 20 minutes. And then I had to drive all the way back from Toronto to, to Brantford. So it was just like, you know, it was just, it was crazy. And people in Toronto are really not taking the in my I was right down at the entertainment district the uh, the pandemic very seriously I saw people walking past each other without masks on talking to people that they would run into like within like two feet I'm like you know can we just fucking tighten up <laughs> you know I, I mean I think I know why that is um, living in Toronto myself and, yes. and trying to have been a relatively strict adherer to the rules yeah. Um, it's really hard here in Toronto. Dude, it's it's really so hard, hard to, if you don't have, and which multiple people, not multiple, most people in Toronto don't have access to nature, uh, yep. a backyard, even somewhere to do laundry that is not communal, yep. where they have to wear a mask yep. and clean yep. out the machine. So people have just had enough. They're fed up or they're just so fucking tired of it all that they yes. like, Oh yeah. I thought I had my mask on. Fuck. You know, like, yeah. But the, so my, my business partner ran into this uh, woman that he knew. She's walking around with no mask on. He, he took his mask off and then they're standing like a foot apart. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was legitimately like nine feet away. And I said, Hey, maybe you guys should give each other some distance. And she looks at me and she goes, I'm fully vaccinated. I don't need to keep distance. I was like, well, that's good for you. <laughs> this guy over here has a weakened immune system and I just got vaccinated. So uh, maybe maybe just separate a foot and a half, two feet. <laughs> you know? like Six feet is ideal, right? That's what they're saying. But even yes. a distance, like why are you guys inside each other? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. Like, man, yeah, they're sharing one body now. I'm pretty sure they're married and soulmates. I don't know. 
<laughs> but, but by the time that I left him, he had, he had five conversations with people that were And she was pregnant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be a dad. <laughs> Breaking the news. Oh, man. Twins. I get it. I know we're all frustrated, right? But, like, man, when I saw that, I was like, and then she goes, oh, your, your friend here is a little paranoid. My paranoia would be that there's nothing happening. We're in a fucking pandemic. Stay the fuck away from me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah. Also, a, a thing about Toronto is it's such a dense population. So that there dense. are entire families and friend groups and families of families that don't have anyone in their circle or even relatively in their circle that has been affected. So to have that privilege of not having anyone close to you that to be affected, you stop seeing the numbers in a specific way. You stop yeah, then it's just abstract. It's so yeah. direct. So true. But you know what's crazy? Like, uh, again, to protect their privacy, but we we know, like, Claudia and I know somebody who's, uh, like, still in a medically induced coma, and she's young. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, they're saying really if, if she makes it out, God, I, I honestly, I hope she does, uh, of course, been sending as much positive energy as it can. But if they're saying even if she does, it's going to be, like, a three- to six-month recovery. Like it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't just she doesn't just like come back and she's like well this is you know I had a fucking yeah, nap for three weeks. They like, mentioned oh, that she may have had some sort of prior condition that that it has been. That, I don't think so. I, I think you don't have I to tell me what it is for for secrecy oh, no, reasons. No, no, I, no, I actually don't think so. Something else, or is this purely she got COVID? I think she, she got, got COVID, COVID and that was it. I think so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, as far as oh, I know, man. she doesn't have anything else that was already hard on her really just like you know what's crazy though i had a family friend i had a family friend this guy just turned he just turned 50 he had no underlying conditions like i mean none he was like super healthy he had gotten his physicals done had, had done everything positive outlook all those things that they say you're supposed to do right mm -hmm. and he got it and then he passed away and I, that, for me that happened like the first three months Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Like mm -hmm. this fucking thing happens That's in like no eight joke. days and you fuck. Like yeah. for me, because I've now seen it now and I've lost four, well, hopefully she pulls it through. So it's not five, but I've seen four people pass away with it. And it's fucking crazy. You can't say goodbye and shit, man. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah I have I mean, a very I think, large I think, family and yeah, a, 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 like an interesting group of friends. And then there's the tattoo community. And through all that, like uh, I've had family pass away. I've had, yeah. due to incident or age or what have you, I've had two or three people in my life pass away, but not a single person has COVID. been in the hospital with COVID. So, wow. you know, oh. you're looking at numbers and stuff and yeah. you go, well, you know, if everyone I know, no one's had it or, or had it in a serious way. And, and the people that I know, I had a, I had a customer that had it. Yeah. And, he had a fever for a day, and then he felt like crap for two days. His wife has a very severe blood disease. I don't remember what which one, but like a, a pretty touchy. And she had it, and she was she was the same thing, where she had a fever for a day. She felt like she had a fluey, shitty thing going on for three days, and then they were fine. Their kids, they have two kids, three kids, and they didn't get it at all. That's crazy. See, that's it's and so fucking weird, right? It's, it's so, so fucking weird. weird. It's, it's like, so weird. And there's no yeah. definites with the information. No. You can't say, COVID, you will get it if this, and it will have this effect, and this, this, this. No. 
It's yeah. just a grab bag, throw in the air, confetti sort of version of circumstances. Yep. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's I true. Mean, Jen, but that's you. life, right? That is. Fucking life, man. <laughs> Fucking life is intense, buddy. Yeah. But no, you know what's man. crazy? Like, it's it. You look around and there's like there are all these positive moments, right? Like I, <laughs> I can say without <laughs> without trying to be funny, I don't like large groups of people, and uh, I don't really like the beach. Wait, you? I don't really like. Yeah, I know it's a shock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'll tell you something. I'm like dying. Like, so by like what January 2022, I'm gonna be like the first motherfucker out there. I'll be like, Woo, you know what I want? I want a group of people, I want to hang out for Christmas. Like, New Year's it, fuck in my house, everybody come over. Yeah, I don't want to talk to you though. I'll probably go back to my room, but I want to make sure that you guys have the right to say hi, you know what I mean? Not the ability to be social, you don't want the actuality of being the ability to say no, you know, that's what I want. I want to be able to go. Nah, that's not for me. Yeah. But now everything's not for me, right? You have a podcast, so yeah. you can touch so many people without actually having to deal with them? Dude, it's the best. <laughs> we, we have like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listeners now. What? And um, Like I told you, I'm most of them. <laughs> you know, that math doesn't check out. <laughs> I, you know, I think about that sometimes when I look at the membership. <laughs> I see it going up, and I'm like, "Fucking Matt, that guy's on all." <laughs> you know, he's just fucking spinning it's it at him. nighttime. Different I've got computers. you guys on 24 hours a day, different <laughs> Brazil, Japan, Germany. Yeah. Hey, we got oh, a new one God. from Bulgaria. I that was pretty cool. Oh, that's from Bulgaria. But you know what's really strange? We we started getting like a a very large following in the United States. Like they make up over fifteen percent of our listeners now. Does it tell you which states or just no? The no, like I'm sure we could go into like more of an algorithm breakdown. But... Like the, they separate Europe into countries. Yeah, but you can fit the majority of Europe into the United States, and they don't separate that as a population, yeah. right? Yeah. I would like to know if I had a podcast. I'd like to know: Is New York listening to me, or is Florida listening to me? Like. <laughs> What? I hope it's Florida. I really, I want it to be Florida. I want it to be Florida so bad. I just want the alligator fucking fans to get that we like them, and you know, just be friends with us. You guys are wild. I just want to hang out with the Florida people. I like the sun. Game? What's that? Have you played the Florida man game? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know what this is. I don't know. Educate the people. <laughs> it's the well, What's the Florida men game? You're going to love it. And I, I guarantee you, you could make an entire like segment on lockdown buddies every single time. <laughs> All you have to do is you turn on your computer, you yeah. pull up your browser, and in your browser, you put Florida man, oh like dot, 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 and then you just see what comes up. And it's usually <laughs> crazy, crazy shit. I'm like, so excited. Florida man. Beats another man with an iguana. Man eats a face because he thought it was angry. Like what? That's, what? That's Claudia, <laughs> Claudia, do it on your phone. See what happens. <clears throat> no, no, right I'll now. do it later. <laughs> I'll do it later. Oh, I'm doing it later. That means Claudia doesn't have any power on her phone. That's a Claudia <laughs> staple right there. I'll do it later. It means she has no power. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
But Claudia, I think we should go to like a comic convention or something or a podcasting convention in Florida and Matt should be our special guest on stage. 1000%. I'm down right? for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. It. It's, it'll be the fucking best. And we can have, we can go to Gatorland. <laughs> I want to oh, go there so fucking bad. Let's go, dude. Gatorland. Dude, and have you guys ever had alligator? Yeah. I it have. is. You have? Okay. Yeah. Not first, great, right? like first, first one that comes up. No Florida shit. man accused of nearly detaching seagull's wing. <laughs> <laughs> Florida man starts a blog and befriends Jake Paul in desperate oh. attempt to stay. Oh, I got to read the rest of it. Close. Oh, no. yeah. Florida man arrested after NSP troopers find over 400 pounds of dot, dot, dot. Like, Take your Jesus. pick. Uh, Florida, you know what? I love you. If it is Florida, if it is Florida, you guys have a special place in my heart. <laughs> you guys are fucking wild. There's this place in Florida called Old Town. I don't know if you've ever been there, Matt. If you if you haven't, if you go to Florida, you have to go to Old Town. It is so weird. No, it's called Old Town, and it's like from like the 1940s. And then they have like all this kitschy stuff, but they also have bizarre things there's a place there that you can pay five dollars us and they'll bury you alive for five minutes what, <laughs> what wait, the wait. Hell? <laughs> yeah dude sounds like <laughs> without the lights <laughs> here's one for what you man who allegedly threatened family with Coldplay lyrics and standoff after swat promises of pizza Okay, that's a, that's a headline that I have. And you got pizza, I'm down. Let's go. Okay, so when I worked at the hospital, we had the tactical unit bring in a guy, and he was on meth, and he had, um, in, in Kitchener, there's like this really bad street called Victoria Street, and there was a guy just walking up the street. He didn't know any, he was like, I think he was on his lunch break, actually, from one of his, uh, he had two jobs, and he was on lunch from one of them. So he walked past the motel there, and someone kidnapped him, held him for eight hours, and they stopped the standoff by offering that guy chocolate milk. For real. That was it. They came That's in, insane. tactically, and it came in. They're like, hey, man, we got a guy. Huge standoff for eight hours. I'm like, how'd you get him out? He's like, offered him two liters of chocolate milk. Problem solved. Nobody got shot. Nobody wow. got hurt. Wow. I was like, man. That seems like an oversimplification of a story. That's what I thought. Yeah, but no, that's what happened. Yeah. Really, they came in, all the SWAT, and they set up. And they're like, get the yeah. negotiator. And then some like Kevin Spacey type guy came out. <laughs> what do you need? And he's like, you know what I need? And he said, yeah, you need some chocolate milk, don't you? I know you do. And he's like, yeah, how do you know? And I'm like, I'll get you chocolate milk. He goes, oh, well, fine. This connect. Yeah, he actually wasn't. A, it wasn't even a negotiator. It was a new, fresh, new constable, for real. Oh, he was wow. like, and they they gave him like a, a commendation and stuff. He apparently went up to the door of the hotel because like the tactical unit was ready to like you know bust in and whatever. And he went over and knocked on the door and just exactly like that was like, "Hey man, you need to let this guy go." And he's like, "What will you give me? A million dollars?" And I was like, "No, but what I can do is I can walk over to that convenience store like two blocks away, get you two liters of chocolate milk." We can call it a day. And the guy was like, yep, that, that, you bring the chocolate milk, you I produce it, and so I will seduce it. Thirsty, <laughs> I need chocolate milk. Fuck. That's amazing. Yeah, I exactly trust you. You get the chocolate milk. <laughs> then we'll yeah. talk. You chocolate milk in here. I mean nothing to me. I want the chocolate <laughs> milk in my hand. Holy cow. 
Yeah. That's bananas. Yeah, people are crazy, man. Stay away from crystal meth. So <laughs> on, <laughs> on that note, that's like a yeah, perfect segue. So, ahead, so perfect segue, crystal meth, don't do it. Don't um do it business so like hey what's up don't do um, business math do business right yeah don't do math do business so yeah yeah, yeah so we're talking about business and art and then right. we're also talking about how you know being in the tech industry you're in a business that you know isn't is not digitally driven and is not production base so tell us about it like what is that like like what was it like at the beginning like when you first kind of got into the industry and then what has it been like trying to market like how do you go about that how do you go about marketing you know because like you said it's there's a variety of different reasons why people get tattooed it's very individually based so how do you go about that with regards to business and art in that sense because it's an old form of business and it's an old form of craft, it's the old form that still works. And the old form is, is word of mouth. Okay. Most people see someone else's tattoo because tattoos are a visual medium. They see it and they go, oh, damn, who did that for you? Were they good? Even though they can see it right there, I think where they good is more like, did they treat you well? Were they affordable? Were they cool to talk to? Were they asshole? Yeah. So on and so forth. And as long as they get sort of a good recommendation from people, they'll they'll follow through on it when their time comes. To the point where I have had people like most would say that I do a lot of different kinds of tattooing. But tattoo okay. artists will tell me, like, oh, that's a Matt Ellis tattoo. I don't get it. I don't see it. But they... Your colleagues do. Everyone else does. Wow. Okay. They, they um, I, I apparently work within a, a specific sort of range notoriously. Now, that range is usually large and color and bold. It's not subtle. It's not necessarily black and gray, so on and so forth. So I've had people... Uh, approach people that I've done large-scale tattoo work on, go, oh, my gosh, I love your tattoos, uh, who did it, and then approach me after the fact for something that is the absolute complete opposite of what mm -hmm. they had because they don't mm -hmm. realize that the style of tattoo is what they're looking at and getting, not just it's a tattoo, right? Mm -hmm. They assume... Oh, he tattoos well. He can tattoo everything well. It's kind of like having uh, going to someone's home and saying, "Oh, I really like your kitchen cabinets. Did you get a cabinet guy to do this?" And you're like, "Yeah, he's a carpenter. He does this, this, this." And then going to that carpenter and exact like asking for something that's the complete opposite of kitchen cabinets. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is yeah. probably the best job the person does kitchen cabinets or things within a little bit of a, uh, a jog over here, over here on, on the sides of kitchen and cabinetry, right? Yeah. Mm. It's like, hey, can you install this sink then? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Since you did <laughs> you know, cabinet, uh, like, not really the same, you know? Like, put wow. stuff in houses that looks good. So can you do my tiles and my... Uh -huh. Maybe, but mm -hmm. tiling is not a carpenter's job. It's not a carpenter's forte. So there's a lot of that going on within tattooing. So 
That's so interesting. So huh. what I was just thinking about, I was like, you know, you know, when you're like um, an artist that sells your art pieces, you know, at least from the outside perspective, because I'm not that, that type of artist at all, um, you know, like you, you kind of see an artist and you associate them with a style. And so then they like, you know, make these art pieces and these galleries within that style and then they sell them. So it's like, how do you like when you're starting out as a tattoo artist, you're sort of developing a style, but you know, you see some tattoo artists that only do one kind of thing, one mm -hmm. sort of type of, of tattooing. Yep. And then you see others that do a variety, like how do you make those decisions to like put the effort in to learn how to do like a bunch of different style of tattoos. I don't, versus I don't know if it is a decision. I, I think oh, okay. for people it's a uh, circumstance. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Also, you have to look at it temporally, like the 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 tattoo world since I started in the '90s has gone through, you know, three, four generations, like four decades of time, and I would mm -hmm. equally say four decades of how the the business works, how what 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 is in prominence as how tattoos are done, what sort of tattoos are done, and so on and so forth. And about every decade, that changes. So all depending on when you got into it, it can massively affect your approach to it. When I got into it, you you know, you know, did an apprenticeship or you learned on your own or you had a, some sort of half apprenticeship or you trialed by fire at some shop or what have you. There are many different ways to get in, most of all usually an apprenticeship basis. But... That was back when there was flash on the walls. Barely anyone got anything custom. And if it was custom, it was like, hey, can I have this armband over here? But can I have the middle of this armband put in the middle of that armband? You'd be like, sure, I can draw that up for you. Boom, 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 boom. Right? Right. Uh, so in those days, you'd have flash up on the walls. And you, in order to be a successful tattooer and in order to be and by successful in, in this way, I mean have enough money to live. Yeah. Right. Basically had to do whatever came in the door, and you had to do it to the best of your ability, and you better be pretty darn good. So right. in that frame, a lot of people uh, sort of learn how to do everything decently. Right. In more recent incarnations of the shops, people will learn how to do everything at its basics and then specialize relatively immediately oh, and become a, you know, a horror black and gray artist or a uh, Japanese American sort of inspired artist or right. an old school right. color only uses five colors tattooer, so on and so forth. Hmm. Those are our choices that um, not a, a lot of people in my generation could do. Because if right. you did that, you'd only work twice a week. Right. So, right. So right? It wasn't you, you did whatever came in the door. Right. Right, I want an armband. Done. I want a black and gray Chicano jester head. Done. I want a, yeah. a very colorful koi. Done. I want a cover up. Done. You know, like you kind of had so to had know to how to do anything, everything uh, within a, a certain realm of, of 
I, I lost it there. Up to a certain level uh, of being able to execute something well. Right, yeah. Um, then shops changed where there was the old school color guy. The And you rounded right. out your shop with people that had different styles, therefore no one's stepping on each other's toes. But everybody kind of did the walk-in stuff. If you wanted a name, anybody could do that. If you wanted a, you know, a, a, a squiggle that your kid drew, anyone could do that, right? But right. if it came to, I want uh, this black and gray stuff, like, oh, you go to Bill over here. Oh, I want right. this color. Oh, you go to Monica over here, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, I, so sorry, Claudia. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to go. Fucking, I got a question. I can <laughs> do it then. Well, I'm gonna. Um, okay, so Matt, you've been doing this game a long time. Is there anything that you don't like to do, but then feel kind of obligated because you have such a high reputation? Now, what do you mean by don't want to do? Well, let's say that, <laughs> let's say that you got young, young Zuxi in your in your chair. And mm -hmm. he's trying to impress a girl, and he says, "Yo, could you do me a sweet armband, but only don't finish it?" <laughs> and you're like, "Ah, oh, man," but I'm like, "But you know, I'm young. I got, I got 300 bucks. And I don't know shit." And you're like, "Okay." Or would you be like, "Man, take, maybe you should look at the design elements better, or maybe you should change this around a little bit." I'm, I'm from the school that y you do it. Like where, where I started. What comes in the door, you do to the best of your ability. If your best of your ability is copying what that person has on a, on a piece of paper that they drew up and just kind of like clean it up a little bit, that's fine. If the best of your ability is interjecting things that you think they might like and they go for it, that's great too. But yeah. you'd be surprised how many people are very like, no, this is what I want. Well, and, and not even a... In my mind, I think it would look better if you did this, but quite literally, well, it's off balance. If you if you make this little thicker and this little thinner, it'll be more balanced for the area. And they're going, nope, nope, this is exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for. At that point, you have to realize that you're not the image police. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lots of people will disagree with me. There's there's going to be a whole bunch of tattooers that are like, ah, you're full of shit. You're just a, a money robber. And you're just doing it for the money, what have you, what have you. But, but it is a customer-based thing, right? It is a customer-based thing, and there are a lot yeah. of times where you can't tell. And I think in some states you might even get in trouble for refusing certain things. Mm -hmm. oh. like, and, you know, I think – You can't I think, uh, someone's yeah. image after a certain age. And that age is sort oh. of whatever age you're able to get tattooed at in that certain space, yeah. you're allowed to dictate – your own um, personal look. Now, a lot of tattooers will try to affect your decisions. Like if someone comes in, they're 18 years old, they're just old enough to get tattooed on their own, they're like, I want douchebag across my forehead. <laughs> you assess the yeah. situation. There could be some mental illness there. There could yeah. be a very good reason for that person to have a douchebag on their head. You don't know, and you're not trained enough to know. What you can do, though, is you can go, you, you just ask questions like, oh, on your head? 
why is that? And you get a little bit of the story, right? And at first it says, well, the Cobras told me I want it on my head. Then you're like, okay, well. We're all booked up. Not today. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, like, let's go real. Later, or you give an absorbent price. And oh, if, yeah. okay, man, we'll see. I had a guy come in. I worked at a place in North York back when North York was a little bit of a wilder place, not like Parkdale wild, but still wild. And we had some very odd individuals come in with very odd requests. And all you had to do is put a price tag on it. That was a little, not, not even a lot, not even double, but just a little more than normal. Yeah. And they usually go, okay, man, I'll be back for that. Poof, you never see him again. <laughs> Where, whereabouts in North York did you were you tattooing? Uh, on Young Street between Fitch, Finch and Shepherd. Oh yeah, oh, woo! That's, <laughs> Represent. That's, that's the area. Yeah. That's the bomb. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I did a lot of uh, tribal scorpions on Young Asian men up there. Uh, oh, nice. I did. I that was in the heyday of the lower back, what ended up being called the tramp stamp long afterwards. Oh, shit. How many butterflies, Matt? How many butterflies? Let, let's put it this way. Meet the guy who made butterflies, I owe him some money. Nice. That's amazing. That's amazing. Like butterflies and tribal <laughs> V-shaped stuff with whatever in it, the, the kanji for strength, some waves, butterflies, flowers, whatever. Wow. We had all, we did it all, and it all, I did yeah. tattoos until I paid my rent. So that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. You know, it, is, it is really interesting because it's like people get tattooed for like a myriad of reasons, right? And yep. um, and even if you know those tattoos might be just like your, you know, just like your real classic, like like you know uh, what's it called, cliched things like infinity uh, eights or butterflies or just like swirly flowers like whatever it's like you really don't know why that person is coming through that those doors for that thing you know exactly. i have a friend um i have a friend who um you know had uh went a really tough time a, a really emotional moment and she just wanted in in a way to sort of process that grief um she got this infinity eight right and she went to a tattoo shop that she thought was all right. You know, like she didn't want to spend a ton of money on it because it just it was really just for her. You know, that classic thing like it's for me. But it, it really was, you know, and she wanted to just get something in like memory of this thing that happened. And um, she was so disrespected <laughs> by the artist. Who I won't I won't mention it's, it's it's it was terrible, though, because because it was an infinity eight and because it's something that is so common, somewhat cliched, people make jokes about it. Mm -hmm. um, he just completely dismissed her, gave her some shit that she didn't really want, made suggestions that had nothing to do with anything. Like, like they weren't, mm -hmm. she just, she just wasn't listened to. And it made me so sad because I'm like, that was a really huge deal. She hadn't been tattooed in probably like over a decade. And she just kind of drew out an infinity eight and it was not exactly that it had some uh, some small other detail that she had put in there that she that meant something to her mm -hmm. and um it was such an unfortunate consultation and an unfortunate ultimate like tattoo and she's okay with it it's it's good enough i guess but it, it was just like an it was so interesting how, like how important it is like 
when you find the tattoo artist that like actually listens to you and like doesn't judge you you know what i mean like doesn't get like doesn't lay that those judgments those presumptions on you even if it is something that's kind of cliched you've done 700 times for that person it's still special to them you know what i mean so it's kind of it's kind of mm-hmm. wild and I, I think I've, i think i really appreciate you for that because like you're very good at like and even just what you're describing it's like man i'm here to do that for you and like that's it's all good you know what i mean like that's a big deal see i'm in the fortunate and unfortunate position to see both sides of that mm-hmm. story I can see it mm-hmm. from the artist's perspective, and For I can sure. see it from the customer's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, and, and I, I can sympathize with both. Sure. I think I think that's an important, like, ability to have in business, regardless of, of what the business is, is to be able what, to sympathy? do that. I think, yeah, <laughs> sympathy, but more so, like, just being able to see from both that's sides of the corner, here. right? Sympathy will make you <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got my tattoos on my birthday when I was 17, 16 and 17, because I've been on my own since I was 13. And mm-hmm. I found a shop that was like really questionable. They're gone now. I'm sure that guy is, is off doing something else. But the first time I went, I actually went with one of my uh, housemates and he knew I was having like a hard time. So he drove and I was in North York or like in Newmarket. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in there and, and I was like, I want this tribal band. This story is awesome because it reminds me of my grandpa. And mm-hmm. we're, we're on my mom's side. We're Irish. Right? I'm going to put that in air quotes because it comes up later. So my grandfather had this uh, axe. And in that axe, there was this like Celtic wiring. So I was like, that's fucking sick. I'm going to get it. Even though my grandfather and I weren't very close, I was like heritage, right? Mm-hmm. So I get it. <laughs> And the guy starts to go into the middle and all of a sudden I chicken out, right? It starts to hurt. Like actually, like obviously it starts to hurt. So I was like, whoa, maybe we should stop right there. <laughs> he goes, well, I mean, it's going to look ridiculous. You're going to, you know, then you have to come back here. It could be, you know, I could be on to other things. He was very open about it. And I was like, well, let me be honest with you. It's starting to fucking hurt. So I think that's enough. <laughs> so I'll come back next year for my birthday and we can get round two. So, I didn't, I didn't end up coming back there uh, the following year. But what I did find out uh, was that my grandfather uh, and my mom's side were not Irish <laughs> at all, actually. So I've got this fucking <laughs> bullshit. Uh, we're not Irish. We're not Irish. We got uh, apparently my I found out from my grandfather that his family actually got kicked out of England for like stealing horses and shit. So I well, was like, oh, that's awesome. The Irish yeah. do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But we got kicked out of England, England for that. So. Oops. I mean, but didn't you, know, you learn. get kicked out of England for stealing things? Yeah. Yeah. That was the excuse. Anyway. So they're like, we don't like that. Move them over there. I'm sure, I'm sure that they were a bunch of dicks, but you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's so funny. So wait, wait. So your, funny. your family had no Irish in it whatsoever? No. Nope. Nope. So where, where did you get that inclination? Because your father had. Because oh, no. Because, had because my grandfather used to play old Danny boy all the fucking time and talk about Ireland like it was the best thing on the fucking planet. And then I would ask him about our Irish heritage. And it was only when I showed him the armband that he would told me that we weren't Irish at all. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh fuck my God. And, and this is true too. The, the Irish <laughs> axe that I saw, nope. It was fucking Greek. He got it when he was in Greece on a trip with my grandma. when He was like in his 80s. 
Wow. You're not good at cultural identification at all. Hey, I was young. I was young. You're yeah. young, young Zooksy. You know what I mean? Young, young Zooksy didn't know what the fuck was going on half the time. <laughs> That's okay. You, you've you've made up for it. Man, that was so funny. I remember like being all proud, and I showed him. I was like, "Gramps, check this out." And he was like, "What's that supposed to be?" <laughs> I was like, "Honor our Irish heritage." And he's like, "Oh man, we're not Irish. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." I was like, "Well, no." And he goes, "Oh no, I just really loved Ireland. I've I've actually never even been." I was like, "Bro, what the fuck?" I got so pissed. <laughs> So the next year, did you get fuck you granddad underneath it? <laughs> no. The next year, I got even something worse that you had to cover up. Years and years later. Years the and little years sun? Later. Yeah, the sun. It was supposed to be in the center of something. But again, I was like, I'm, I was kind of on the fence. Plus, I didn't have any money. Plus, I was trying to impress a girl. It was a whole thing. It's terrible. <laughs> it, it wasn't a Soundgarden reference? I, you know what? I told people for years that it was. I did. They're like, oh, you like Soundgarden? I'm like, who doesn't? Huh? Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was because it was supposed to be in the. <laughs> yeah, I had a whole bunch of like stupid reasons for getting it, and and people would ask, right? You know, get you get tattooed when you're in high school. And people yeah. Are like, man, this, this guy's a gangster. I'm like, no, not really. Just you know, lost, lost little kid. Yeah. A gangster. Up yeah. on getting this, uh, the rest of this tattoo, but damn, I'm a gangster. Yeah, I'm, I can't afford it, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Plus, that artist was really uh, open about not wanting to be a tattoo artist. <laughs> he was like, "Oh no, like, oh man!" He was I, off, for real. Off camera, you should tell me who it is, and I'll tell you if I know <laughs> where they are. That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I, will tell, I, I don't remember his name. What year? Oh God! So I would have been seventeen. So hold on, let's do some math. See, you gotta do the math. <laughs> Do some math, dude. Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Was tattooing in ninety nine. Oh shit! It wasn't you. <laughs> um, no, wait, city. Newmarket. Oh man, you can hear it. You can hear the calculations yeah, going he's like, on. He's like, oh god, and wizard Matt's head over here. <laughs> Oh, geez, Louise's. Oh, was, geez, Louise's. Was it a chain? Uh, so, okay, here's the here's the truth of that. I wouldn't know. We'll talk off camera. Okay. Yeah, okay. 100%. Yeah. inflammatory and disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to get sued. You know? No. <laughs> um, sure he was nice, minus that he told me uh, while he was doing the sun that he was incredibly hungover and the lines weren't going to look very good. <laughs> I was like, what the well, let's fuck? fucking get started. I'm going to tell you, like, from, from about the beginning of time until about yeah. 2010, that was normal. That was standard yeah. practice. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Standard practice. You know, in the 90s, I think that the end of the 90s were the end of the, the, the rock star tattooer. Uh, as mm. soon as the TV shows started to show this rock star tattoo life, that changed everything. So pre-TV shows, mm -hmm. it was, by rock stars, I mean just like living hard, living young, tattooing your heart out for 12 hours, and then going to a bar, and then getting up and doing it again, over and over and over and over again. Right. And back then, the bar wasn't just drinking and socializing. The bar was the internet. The bar was Instagram. There was no social media. It, you were lucky if you had a website in 99, and if you did, it sucked. 
and right. went so out. That's and where you, you would network. That's where you would advertise. And you said, hey, blah, blah, blah. Or you came up to somebody and said, hey, who did your tattoo? Oh, so-and-so? Oh, yeah, they're great. Or, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people would, would downplay other artists. But at the time, I didn't like doing that. Uh, and I would say, oh, that's great. And then they'd start talking about tattoos. And then they might start talking about, well, I want this other tattoo. And it's not really the kind of work that my tattoo artist does. And maybe it's the kind of work you do. And then you'd go from there. Or you'd leave wow. them your card. and They would pass it on to somebody else or, you know, all sorts. And if you happen to be, you know, not too drunk and relatively charming, they might even remember you. You know, so that's pretty wild because I'm I'm wondering, like, you know, at the time, like in the 90s and up to that point, like tattoos weren't really accepted. Like it wasn't a mainstream thing. Right. Like it was associated with other stuff that just that not everyone was comfortable with. And then you like fast track to like this day and age. And it is. I don't see it in the same sort of temporal ways that everybody else does. A lot of people that I know okay. that are. Like in their 30s, mid 30s, is like when I was getting tattooed in my teens, tattooing wasn't accepted. And it's like, well, that's kind of bullshit. You know, like, oh, okay, yeah. Tattooing wasn't accepted in, like, sorry, tattooing has certain associations. I won't say not accepted because it's always been around. It's been illegal yeah. in some places up to certain points, but it's always yeah. been around and people always yeah. got it. And people like, Three quarters of the presidents of the United States had tattoos. A lot of military people have tattoos. And then right. come the 90s, when things started to get a little less grungy, a little cleaner, a little more upfront, uh, people cared about sterilization a lot more. I'm, I'm talking even the early 90s. Um, wow. All of that kind of came into play, and things started to get a little bit more loose with with who would get tattoos and how you could get them and as soon as we'll say the, mm -hmm. the, the there was a, a big sort of like website internet bubble for a bit during the 90s and that made a lot of people really rich really quickly and those people that kind of put their money into uh, websites and and like very very early e-commerce and stuff a lot of them were these sort of like chip and pepper weekend warrior guys that would just like yeah throw themselves into like, we're going to make a bungee jumping business. We're going to go whitewater rafting. We're putting this into this internet thing. And those people all became uh, quite rich, but also have sort of a, a penchant for the wild lifestyle. Right. You get me? Yeah. So those people would get tattooed. So all of a sudden you had VPs of companies, presidents of companies, people that were into a lot of commerce, people that had a lot more clout and a lot more money getting tattooed and starting to collect tattoos. And that mm. furthered the industry quite a bit where you didn't have to just do the same old crap tattoos anymore. You didn't have to do the same old, uh, you know, the, the flash that had been around since the second world war. People started drawing new stuff, integrating new cultures, all sorts of stuff started to happen. And that propelled the business first. And it oh, became that's really interesting. What I see, because I was there for it, the heyday and the growth, the initial big growth of tattooing in the 90s. Now, if you talk to someone like Sailor Jerry, who tattooed during the Second World War and died in the 70s, he would be like, ah, oh, the growth happened in the 60s. It was, it was great until all these uh, 
art school kids started showing up, right? Like there's there's all sorts of different funny. ways to look at it. But the way I look at it is that in the 90s, rock stars were getting tattooed, tattooers were getting tattooed, rock stars were drinking and partying all night, tattooers were drinking and partying all night. Yeah. That was the wow. majority of it. And they got up and they did it again the, the next day. A lot of them did the convention circuit where they were on the road, especially through the United States. By the time 2000 came around, I think well over three quarters of the states had a convention in in it. Wow. So, that's you know, insane. you know, if that's 50, you've got like 30 some odd in a year. You can just travel from one city to the next, one city to the next, and do a convention circuit for a good half a year and then have a home base for a half a year. And you're living this sort of like on the road, rock and roll lifestyle. Like, oh, what city are we in now? Oh, we're in Pittsburgh. All right, tattooing in Pittsburgh. Three days of just solid, like tattooing all day, party all night with people from all over the world. Then you go across the pond and you go to the conventions in London. Paris, all these places, and you do the wow. same thing there, and you're seeing your friends that are your convention friends from all over the world, and that's your life. It had a very sort of, I guess, mini version nice. of rock star aesthetic, aesthetic going on. Yeah, it was on TV, and it helped and ruined everything. Right. So how would you say it helped? How would you say it ruined it? It helped with exposure. And then more people could make an honest living tattooing. You could quite okay. literally get out of school, do an apprenticeship, and if you were a hard worker that knew how to draw, uh, draw well, you could support yourself, possibly even a family, tattooing. Wow. And without having to do anything nefarious on the side. Mm -hmm. uh, I like how you add that in. <laughs> did, you, did you do that? Did you go to the convention? Did I do anything nefarious? No, I'm too lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was I came out of uh, I went to university for art. I came out of yeah. university with uh, like a, a BFA, a Bachelor of Fine Arts, which we also know as the Bachelor of Fuck All. And <laughs> I went, okay, what can I do with this degree in painting with a minor say, like in anthropology? Oh, wow, I can either go ahead and become a teacher of either art or anthropology, or I can paint houses. I can get a booth at the CNE and do like wolves on velvet, which, though cool, come in and out of fashion. You know, sometimes you're going to starve. Yeah. I don't know, Matt. You sound and, and it presented an, an option where you could be artistic, plus. When it comes to tattoos, you either start getting tattooed and fall in love, or you get tattoos a little bit for whatever self-image you think you need, and then you stop. Yeah. Right? For some people, yeah. it becomes their image, their addiction, their whatever you want to call it, and they don't stop. And if you right. a good way to be part of the industry and not stop is to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then so, how, do you, yeah. Feel like it, how do you feel like yeah. they killed it? How, how do you feel? Oh, I feel ruined everything. That's what I was going to ask. It's called exposure. <laughs> so uh, a good health, healthy amount of tattoo shops came out. And there was, uh, you know, they say in business that competition makes uh, for a healthy business to a point, right? And that was happening in the 90s. But also in the early 2000s when the, when the uh, 
when the boom that I was part of uh, opened up, it creates acceptance, which, uh, how do I tread on this? If things are a majority, it's not special anymore. Uh, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. a lot of people that were getting tattooed up until the early 90s were getting tattooed as a rebellion. They were getting tattooed to set themselves apart. And right. if you look after the early 2000s, it's the exact opposite. A lot of people are getting tattooed to be part of the fold. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have a tattoo because I'm cool. Before that, it was like, I have a tattoo because fucking get away from me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right, John? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so I yeah. that that's everybody's approach to it, but a lot of the approach was sort of an, an anti-society, not a, a, you know, how to fulfill yourself on Pinterest sort of society, which some of it has become now. Not all of it, but there is definitely a part of that in probably any creative business, but definitely in tattooing. Uh, it also ruined it by um, oversaturating, right? Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, like, and as well, the TV shows were that. They were TV shows. And as much as a reality show is a reality show, it's absolutely, it's, I'm not going to say it's scripted, but it's directed. You know, everything that yeah. it, it is in it is a, uh, it is not a, a true form of what's happening. Like I had heard stories after, okay, the two main shows that came out in the beginning were one called Inked, which was in Vegas, and one called Miami Inc., which is obviously in Miami. And people yeah. thought that Miami Inc. was a shop. It was, but it was a soundstage shop that employed people from another shop called Lou's that was down the street. It's an oversimplification of what happened, but just to make wow, the, the story. Short. The, the, the place actually had a train, like a the train track that they use for cameras yeah. to go back and forth built into the floor of this place. It was built to be oh, there see. for the tattoo shop. Also, yeah. like I heard stories about people going to Florida, going to Miami because they wanted to get a tattoo at Miami Inc. And they didn't realize right. that half the year it's closed for, uh. for the TV show. Right. It's not just you go and all of a sudden you're on television. Those people were, you know, weeded out and those people went yeah. through an auditioning process and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. And, and you got to realize when, when you watch these shows and you see someone come in the front door and a world class, famous, very talented artist is sitting there doodling at the front desk, not busy. And That's able to not... take your questions, and you come in and you say, "Oh, I want a koi tattoo on my leg," and they say, "Oh yeah, just come back in a couple hours. I'll have it ready for you." That maybe that's a setup, you know. <laughs> Anyone that's tried to get a tattoo what? in the last five years knows that you walk in and you're probably waiting a certain amount of time, whether it for, be yeah. for a custom drawing or just for their schedule to be clear, right? Mm. But you know, in this, sure. in this. Uh, Miami Inc. sort of atmosphere, people came in, you know, I've never met you before, though you're miked and in makeup, and we're going to talk about, you know, whatever tattoo you want, and I will have it ready for you because I'm obviously not busy today being a world-famous artist that's on, like, arguably some of the world's famous artists because they're on television. Yeah. 
Uh, you know what? It worked on my 12-year-old mind. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, was, I was totally sold. I'm like, one day I'm going to go to Miami Inc. And I'm going to get tattooed by Kat Von D. And how? What? I bet you just have to walk in one day. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> it has nothing to do with your age. I, I know people that think that now. You think oh, it's terrible. I don't even tattoos anymore, and they're like, I'm gonna go to LA and get tattooed by Cab on D. It's like, oh, okay, good luck. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm not today years old when I found that out. Yeah, I mean, I do, man. I don't turn 39 tomorrow and just blew my mind. We're so dumb. When he was talking, I was like, I was like, oh god, he's oh no. Oh, all my post-COVID plans are ruined. Dude, <laughs> Sorry. So you know, I was trying to here. Claudia, Claudia, are we, yeah. are we done? I think Dude, we're done. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for letting us know. Yeah. God You're damn not, it. Um, you just didn't think about the stuff because you don't have to. You'd be surprised how many right. people walk in after those shows. Back then, I had an... In my shop, I had an unheard of two-week wait for custom drawings. And that was, like, crazy. You know, the, the best guy in Toronto at the time had, like, a two-month wait. And that was, like, mind-blowing that you would have to wait two months. Now it's, like, years and years for people, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. But uh, back then I had a two-week wait, and this person came in, and they had – no visual reference for what they wanted. They had about 25 different elements that they wanted put into, you know, a smaller tattoo on their forearm. And I said, listen, you know, I, I can draw this up for you. It's going to take some time. I have to trace it. And they're like, oh, so we can't get this done today? It's like, no, unfortunately not. It's going to take some time. I actually have this half hour for you for this consultation. And then I have tattoos the rest of the day. And then after work, I have people to draw for you that I've seen prior to you. And as right. soon as it, it, might, it might not take two weeks, it might be less, but I can guarantee two weeks. And they're like, oh, so like not today. And I'm like, no, uh, no. And they're like, that's not the way it is on television. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then you want yeah. to murder everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had like, it's one, per, it's one thing if, if someone says that and mentions it and you have to inform them like, well, that's TV and it's not real. What, what yeah. have you. It's another thing when they argue with you because oh. they were so dead set. Like, Today's like you would say earlier show, tattoos are very important <laughs> to people for their own reasons. And yeah, sometimes yeah. that day is very important or the fact that they have felt that they had been empowered enough to walk into a tattoo shop that day is important mm -hmm. to them. And when they get told no, for whatever reason, logistical or not, they blow up. And I've had right. people absolutely blow up at me over timing, over price, over mm -hmm. inabilities so to do hard. certain things technically. Uh, mm -hmm. You'd be surprised because once they get their heart set on something that is so permanent and and so magical to themselves, if you tell them no, it's shattering. Right. Mm. How do you how do you deal with that? Because like you know everyone you, you, have any, any, you have to what? Work around it. You have to. Yeah. You have to present your case. This is why this can't happen now. And if it's a time thing, you're like, this is what I can do for you. You can get 
one of those flash pieces off the wall at the time when we were in a shop full of flash, but also had the capabilities to draw stuff up for people. It's like, mm -hmm. these are the things that we have available right away. It's like uh, nowadays the uh, younger tattooers have like a, like a ready to go book sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Or like, yeah. you know, it's the same sort of thing as flash, except they haven't colored them in yet. They're just line drawings. Um, mm -hmm. This was flash on the walls, which you could change the color of or do whatever you want with. But essentially, this is the design we have. We can make it maybe a little bit bigger or smaller on a photocopier. These are immediately available, but not by me, by somebody else in the shop because I'm booked or what have right. you. These are your options. If you want to get tattooed today, that's one thing. If you want to get tattooed this custom piece, that's another thing. You can have one or you can have the other, but you can't have both. Right. And then right. yeah. once you get over that hump, and it comes down to like technical things. Like I want all of the faces of all the presidents on this dime shaped piece of skin. It's like, well, that's not going to happen for technical reasons. Like what? I saw it in a, on a movie. And it's like, well, that's not real either. So yeah, you are, you know, if you would like, you can go and try to find somebody else that, that can do that for you. If there were anybody that we knew that did incredibly small tattoos that were detailed that worked out, we'd send them that way. You know, we yeah. try to be as accommodating as possible, but sure. also stick to our guns on what can and can't be done just through the laws of physics and time alone. <laughs> yeah. Why are you to be like that, man? <laughs> Jeez, so I, logically. I have one last <laughs> question because, because we have to get going, but um, I have a question. Did you ever see that show? Oh, God, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, jail is it jailbreak? Is that it with the tattoos? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that show did that show ever make your head explode? That the guy had the most important part of the map on his back? Like, why wouldn't that be on your fucking forearm? I saw one episode and I was like, fuck this show. <laughs> There's gonna be tattoo artists being like, what the fuck? Yeah, I came, I came at it from a much, much different angle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was upset with, but actually, that show. There are certain shows and certain movies and videos and stuff that made me a lot of money because it inspired. <laughs> Was that one of them? So oh, that's I, fair. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That that full body black and gray angels and devils stuff. Oh, Make thank it you. Rain. I, I got. I got. You know who I owe a lot of money to is the people that did Dusk Till Dawn. That tribal piece <laughs> of the arm and up the neck of George Clooney. Yeah. Holy crap! That did you kill it? That, huh, did I do it? No, yeah. I did things that were similar at the time. I was I I, I tried to get people not to do their necks, and yeah. uh, it, you know, and it was one of those things where it was like, listen, you might because at the time this was true, you might lose your job. You might like yeah. if, if you're in like a custody yeah. battle for your kid, you might not want that big tribal thing on your neck. That makes you look like the guy from the movies that shoots and kills people. <laughs> there, there were a lot more associations to things back then than there are now. So at the time, right. and, you know, some people were like, "Well, I already have this side of my neck tattooed," and you'd be like, "Well, I have no reason then," uh, yeah. or, or yeah. you know, they pled their case, or they they came back multiple times within a few months, going like, "I'm dedicated to this. I want this. You ready to do this yet?" And after a certain period of time, you're just like, "This guy's gonna get it, whether it's me or somebody else." Back then, yeah. there was sort of a not beyond the cuff, not above the collar sort of policy, unless you were already heavily tested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have, like, 
a last piece of like advice, you know, tips, tricks of like people who are in either in tattoo industry or in business in general, who are either starting a business uh, for the first time or like who've been in business for a little while, but still kind of new at it. Um, what would that be? What would be like advice that you'd give them? People that have been into business for, for a little while. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. Just because I've had like a decently named business and successful is all depending on your outlook at it. Sure. Uh, we're still open. <laughs> so, uh, that's, a, that's a success. Yeah, that's a success. So, so a, a successful business doesn't mean I'm good at business. It doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about. I've had a lot of help along the way. Maybe that's my first bit of advice. Take the help that people mm. give you. You are not too good for advice. You are not too good for help. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know. You might not use it to its fullest potential, but don't dismiss it. Right. Exactly. Uh, my, mm -hmm. my second bit of advice is, when it comes to smaller businesses, larger there's there's a point where small business becomes medium business becomes large business that all the rules change, but when small business. Keep small business a small business. As soon as you turn mm -hmm. small business into big business, you water down that business, it loses its importance, it oversaturates a market, and it ruins it. So mm -hmm. say, um, okay, you're baking, and you're baking mm -hmm. on a commercial level, but not an industrial level, right? Right, yeah, that's a great way we'll, to articulate it. We'll, we'll say that there's three areas of baking. There's baking for yourself, being a baker, making cakes, making this stuff that's nice for your friends. There's sure. baking on a commercial level, and then there's baking on an industrial level. If you're right. baking on a commercial level, I would put you at a small business. Sure, yeah. The best way to oversaturate your business and to weaken what your business creates and means is to try to make money off of teaching your business to other people. Sure. Yeah. So say Claudia has a bakery for a little while. She decides that like I can either sell out this business to a larger uh, industrial thing, if that chance even comes along, I can keep it small and stay within this bubble and be successful, or I can push it just a little step further. How can I push it further? Oh, I'll offer classes, not in baking, mm. baking for yourself, mm. but classes for baking on a commercial level. Mm. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to teach mm -hmm. 12 people a year. Six of those people are going to open up their own bakeries, probably if they're local to you doing the class, locally to you. Around you, yeah. So all of a sudden, mm -hmm. there's not one bakery coffee house. There's six bakery Seven. coffee houses. Yeah. Then the next mm -hmm. year, they all realize how hard it is, and they're like, hmm, why is it this business model working in the same way that it did for Claudia? Oh, right, because Claudia teaches. Okay, I'm going to teach too. Then you have ex mm -hmm. inexperienced people passing on inexperienced knowledge and you're also watering down your industry. 
So that is one big thing that I have found with not just tattooing, but a lot of small business industries is that if small business is your bubble, keep that your bubble. Do good within that bubble. Because if you start to step out of that bubble to make the fast bucks and make the money and put it in your pocket, or a lot of people will that are in the tattoo industry now aren't necessarily tattoo people, but they're business people that are taking advantage of a popular business right now. You can put your money into it, make a return on that money until you hit enough money to hit the next level of investment and return. Right. So yeah. people create shops, they get a whole bunch of young artists that are all gung ho, they treat them okay, they pay them okay, and they make a lot of money off of them. And then they water down an industry by having those young people that know 80% of what they know, teach 80% of what they know to another batch of people, which goes in spurts and keeps on going and propagates each other. And then you have a whole industry of people that can only do outline tattoos and, and not because outline tattoos aren't important or good or what have you, but because they don't know how to fill in a tattoo. Well, they don't know how to, nice. to draw. Stuff. They don't know how to color. Well, they don't know how to saturate things. They don't know how it's to shade. A percentage of what somebody that knew a percentage knew and so on and so forth. And wow, that's, that's a really good perspective. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I, sh I shouldn't even be saying that to tattoo people because it's not, it's usually not tattoo people that are, are that problem. It's business mm -hmm. people that come in and take advantage of a popular thing and then squeeze it for all it's worth, leave it dead and move on to the next thing, which is probably real estate. Yep. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. man. So if you're a young tattooer, if you're young, you're getting into tattooing, you want to make a tattoo shop, realize that there is a bubble mm -hmm. that you can exist within comfortably. And then past that, you have to do something else. And if you don't keep it separate, you're going to screw your industry. Right. And it's, it's all about the long game, too. You're not going to make a quick buck. It's about the long game and it's about having a bigger picture vision of what you're going to do, not just with the industry you're in, which might be tattooing, but something else lit down the line. You're also watering down a, I don't know if what you call it. Can you call tattooing culture? Like it's been part of cultures for a very long time, but is it a culture in itself? Because right now the culture is being watered down and a lot of it doesn't mean much anymore. Like mm -hmm. there, there was a commitment to tattooing before they started using numbing gels on everybody and stuff. There was a, mm -hmm. uh, a commitment to time, a commitment to relationship with an artist, a commitment mm -hmm. to like a financial commitment. And mm -hmm. it, it doesn't seem to be as important now when a 20-year-old can just willy-nilly go and get, a, you know, a thousand tattoos all over their face and hands and, and you know, not even know the names of the tattooers that did them, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really impersonal now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's become impersonal. And 
that impersonality has allowed uh, the the industry to grow to a certain point and make money for a lot of people, which in a way is good, but it has also allowed interlopers to come in and take advantage of it, which you're taking advantage of bright, talented, young, hardworking people mm -hmm. that just want their break. You know, they just yeah. want a way of quitting the business because b before these schools and stuff came along and people doing like, two apprentices a year out of their shops and so on and so forth, before that sort of practice came along, it was hard to get an apprenticeship. It wasn't something that right. if you went, you were going to get. It was if you went right. and showed your resolve and put into the industry and mm. asked questions but were respectful, didn't demand anything. We have people right. now that are like, so I want you to look at my portfolio and tell me what I should do to become a tattooer. And it's not even a question. They don't ask. It's like, so I'm going to come in. Can I can I book some time with you for this? What? Expecting. what? I've never even yeah. met you before. You've never even come to your yeah. shop and shook my hand. Right. So, you know, I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything. But don't make expectations. Like, don't expect something from me because I'm in this industry. Right. And, and why would I sell you a piece respect, of the pie? Right. right. Pardon? Yeah. Putting in your dues, respecting the elders that you're standing on. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's I think a big part of there, it. That we there is barely remember. any of that. I went into a tattoo mm -hmm. shop a couple of years ago and talked to a bunch of the not just the younger people, older and younger people were like I would drop a couple names of the people that were sort of like the originators of certain styles and they were lo looking at me like, What? Who? Wow. What? Yeah. Like, no. Did you not you do to, any homework? Like right. these are the, like you were saying, these are the, the the shoulders that you're standing on. Now, unfortunately, some of the people that had these shoulders weren't good people, right? right. They were. But they were. They were racist, you, you know? misogynist, criminals, yeah. whatever criminal right. means. They they were not necessarily good people, but you still have to know where you you came from, right? And you have to give yeah. respect to the people that furthered your industry for you. Yeah, I'd say I say that makes sense. I think that's a perfect that's a perfect place to to end because that's the thing that I think that most people need to like you know walk away with with something from this is that like be respectful, remember who you're for you, and keep it small. You know what I mean? Keep it small and and consistent. So, Matt, you're the fucking best, man. I'm so happy that you came on today. Yeah. I'm so happy you're that you're best. here. You're the Seriously. best. Yeah, you're yeah, awesome. Yeah, the Florida, the Florida scene, eh? Hell yeah. <laughs> what if I told you I was a Florida man? Dude. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be you. even happier to know you. <laughs> you're the I'm best. A, I don't think I have any Dude. history in Florida. It's been arranged. This is... Not you're yet, the buddy. fucking. You're amazing. Um, this We're is episode eleven. Papers. The government. Matt, you're the um, fucking best, dude. Thanks All for right, having so, me. I hope we actually. I hope I didn't do it again. People with what no, I said. No, you're fucking. You're amazing. You're the, you're incredible. I'm so happy. Thank so, you. fucking brain babies. We killed another episode. You're the fucking awesomest, and I'm so glad you're here. And I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, babies. We're doing it. <laughs>
Bye, Bye guys. Now. Thanks, guys. See you later, guys. Friend, That's it. Friend, 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 fri